0: Open a doorway to healing in your life. I'm your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to another episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. I'm very happy to introduce my guest today, Jason Earle. He is the founder and CEO of Got Mold. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dawn. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. So good to be here. So, got mold. We will talk about that in a little bit. I wanted to know. I read a little bit about your story. How did you get into, for the lack of a better word, the the mold business? I, <laughs> I saw that you were in you were in Wall Street, and it looked like you did have some experiences growing up with, with childhood asthma. So I'm wondering how you got into uh, sw- to how you did your career change. Uh, yeah, what made you decide to do this?
1: It's a com- it's a common question. I, I think mold isn't there's no academic track for for what we do mm-hmm. um and uh and, I, and most of the people who are in this space that do um really good work tend to come from a, a personal experience i see this with lots of lots of uh areas where there's healing involved and once people get over the over over their own um mountain then they 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 reach their hand back and that's the case uh with this um so um mold, uh, is actually a fairly nascent industry, if you will. Um, you know, it's only, it's only been really, uh, mold inspections, mold remediation only for, for the past 20 years or so. Um, and I've been in it for about that long. So, um, I, I got in I got into the in business out of pure curiosity, really. Um, I was, um, as you mentioned previously on wall street, um, I, I started on wall street when I was really young at 16 and then at 25, I had had enough, and uh, I decided that I, I wanted to uh, um, go do something meaningful with my life without any really without really a clue as to what that meant. But I did have some space and some time, and I went traveling for a while. And I back then, you know, I brought a journal and had some CDs, I'm dating myself here, and went on sort of a walkabout uh, for about a year and a half while I was away. I was doing a lot of reading. I, I happened to be in Hawaii for a, a bit of a, a bit of that uh, trip, and I was reading about a huge mold problem that was in the Hilton Kalia Tower, which is the flagship property. Uh, uh hilton's flag- flagship property in oahu and there were the building had been shut down for a number of months at that point for this huge mold problem that initially they thought to be re- relatively small but as they began opening the walls uh it was like pandora's box it went from a $500,000 problem to a five million dollar problem to a 55 million dollar problem anyway long story short it was a huge mold issue and a lot of people got sick from the building or at least people were were were, were, were saying that they thought they got sick and this is before mold illness was really in any of the headlines um this is around 2001 uh, into 2002. And, uh, and so uh, there was one particular story that caught my attention. It was a, a, a man in his forties uh, who worked there, who, uh, who developed adult onset asthma, which is something I'd never heard of. And he also developed uh, all these uh, sensitivities to uh, food and, uh, and the environment. So things that he, he'd always, uh, he'd always been fine with. And so it was like a, a deja vu moment for me and suddenly I'm, I'm thinking about my childhood because when i was around four years old i lost a bunch of weight in a three-week period um my parents brought me to the to the doctor he said you know you should really take him to children's hospital uh, get him worked up and so the first diagnosis was cystic fibrosis uh which was obviously devastating especially back then it was a ter- terminal illness um and my father had four cousins who died of cf before the age of 14 so it hit really close to home uh, second round of tests or, you know, the second opinion, uh, confirmed I did not have CF, uh, thank goodness. And evidenced by the fact that I sit here at 45 years <laughs> old, uh, but actually I had, uh, asthma, uh, compounded by pneumonia. And when they did allergy tests on me, uh, it, back then, I don't know how they do it now, but I, I was kind of in a papoose or like a, like a, like a, a straight jacket for a toddler. And, uh, and then they drew a grid on my back and put the antigens on. My dad just said, I look like a ladybug. A big red swollen back with dots all over it you know and uh so I was allergic to everything in my environment uh, grass wheat corn eggs dogs cats cotton soybeans and I grew up on a little non-working farm outside of Princeton New Jersey surrounded by dogs cats grass wheat corn eggs cotton soybeans everything and so grew up on basically on inhalers uh and uh and always felt better when I was outside the house never really understood why uh mm. and uh but here I am in Hawaii and I'm reading this article and i'm thinking geez, i wonder if the house i grew up in made me sick i called my dad from a payphone he answered and i told him what i was thinking i said do you think we had a mold problem and uh and he goes jason we had freaking mushrooms in the basement of course we had mold (laughs) (laughs) why do you ask and it was just so like pat like yeah of course we had mold it it just the back then there were also there smokers and i you know and and they smoked Mm -hmm. indoors and of course even in the car with an asthmatic kid the awareness about these things was like zero Mm-hmm. um so anyway uh, it was immediate for me i i just thought i said do you think it w- do you think that was what made me sick and he said well it couldn't have helped there you go so it's very clear in retrospect we had a very damp basement water would run through when it rained you know it was you know we should have stocked for trout there was a lot of dampness down there i mean um and you know i remember going down there and feeling the weight and, and the pressure uh, but i didn't connect it directly to an environmental cause certainly not mold mold in particular but then immediately in that in that, on that point, i immediately became passionate passionately interested in the idea that a built buildings can make you sick um just mm-hmm. the idea that the interaction or the nexus between buildings and health became immediately fascinating to me i, I grew up in a medical and construction family so i guess that kind of Works oh, right. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I was doing construction with my uncle in a small construction company, and I worked with him uh, after school and in the summers. And then my mom and my aunts and, and my grandmother was one of the first women to be admitted to medical school. And so I was, um, I was, and she got a full full ride. She turned it down to go pack parachutes for World War II for my grandfather, who by the way today is Veterans Day. I know it's, yeah. uh, uh, and I, I heard your your uh, your piece about your grandfather. So uh, yeah.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a medical and and construction family. And and so I, that kind of, I kind of landed right in the middle of that. And so I came back from, 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 uh, Hawaii, um, raring to go, uh, curious. And I found a company doing mold remediation. There weren't very many. They were also doing basement waterproofing. And I saw, I I took a job working for them in sales and they thought, what's this guy from wall street doing here? Uh, but you know, I, but uh, but I was really th- uh, curious about. The, I mean, there was no standard. There was no there was no industry standard. There were no certifications at the time. No regulations. Uh, and so uh, what I saw quickly was that these guys were doing um, shoddy work. Lots of chemicals. Very little actual cleaning. Often leaving buildings worse. Uh, and so I started an inspection company in the evenings uh, to to because I recognized that there was a need for the consumer to be protected from. The con- contractors, all environmental hazards have this separation between the inspectors and the remediators, whether it's lead paint or asbestos. Um, and so mold didn't have that. And I thought for sure that would happen one day. And so I decided to, to to plant plant my feet firmly on one side and avoid a conflict of interest. And so we started a company called Lab Results, uh, where we started using Labrador Retrievers that were specially trained to sniff out hidden mold in buildings. And um, that that turned into um, a, fair, a successful company where we ended up on Good Morning America and Extreme Makeover Edition and all sorts of national news because of a few stories of healing where we went into homes where the children were, were where they weren't doing well. They weren't responding to traditional uh, treatment for asthma and other, uh, mysterious illnesses. And we went and found hidden mold, got it fixed. And suddenly they, they were healed. Not only did they get better, but suddenly family members who didn't think they were sick got better. The whole house healed. And these stories, um, put us on, on the, on the national uh, circuit for a while. And, uh, and then that company became one 800 got mold. Um, which is our mold inspection business. So, uh, and so, but what we've done since then is really looked at and said, you know, the biggest problem with with this industry is that the, the inspections are cost prohibitive. Um, it's very difficult to find a qualified professional, especially one that doesn't have a conflict of interest. Um, there's information on the internet is is ninety nine percent misinformation. Uh, fir- first thing I tell people to do is don't read, don't don't take, don't 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 go to Facebook with mold questions. Um, and uh, and so, but basically, we we looked at at what we were doing with 100 got mold and all the people that we'd helped and realized that we weren't helping the people who needed us the most. Uh, and so for the last 10 years plus, uh, I've worked to put together a do-it-yourself test kit that would allow people to cost-effectively test their error without having to hire or find a qualified professional to get the same same, quali- same quality results, but without the aggravation. And so that's what we did with the got mold test kit, uh, which is at gotmold.com, which we're excited to announce that we just recently um, made public. Um, so... Uh, So that gives people the ability to uh, very, very easily and affordably uh, take a quick snapshot and see what's actually floating around in their air. Uh, And this, this'll, this'll, this'll give people the tools that they need to be able to make the decisions, better decisions about the air they breathe.
0: Oh, great. Now to get back to mold itself. So a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of misinformation, of course. So I guess just getting to the basics, I know this is going to sound like a silly question, What is mold? What is the, and what is the, I guess, dangerous type of mold? I'm assuming there's many different types of mold. I took microbiology, but it's been a while. So I, (laughs) please excuse me, I I probably, probably am getting a few terms wrong, but you know, you hear about black mold, you hear about most buildings do have some mold in them, no matter what. I think almost all buildings. So I guess what is it? And what, are, sure. what is the harmful kind of mold, and how does it harm your health?
1: Sure, there's a, there's a lot there because within that there's all these uh, wives' tales and mm-hmm. myths and misconceptions, and yeah. there it's so it's it's like uh, I guess it's like, how to uh, narrow this down? Yeah, so so starting was, at the beginning it is it the best. The so mold, what is mold? Right? Yeah, what is mold? What is right? yeah, what is so, mold? So, so mold is uh, is a a type of fungi, a type of fungus mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is. Nature's great recycler. Uh, And so, in essence, mold's job is to take things that were at one time living and turn them back into dirt. Uh, It does a really good job of taking stuff outside, like leaves and twigs and all the organic matter. And when I say organic, I'm not talking about the Mm -hmm. the grocery store. Anything that this comprises carbon based that Mm -hmm. at one time was was uh, was respiring was resp- you know was living mm-hmm. mold breaks that stuff down and so if we didn't have mold we would have dead trees in fact there was a period in history that way back when which is where all the coal came from where we didn't have uh, these microbes and trees piled up they grew up oh. they, they fell down and they did not decay <laughs> and that I was know that. that was one of nature's great lessons that's where we get coal from oh. yeah um, okay yeah it just didn't decay so uh, anyway we, we we have this this uh, this world filled with fungi and uh, one particular uh, type of it are, are, is mold. And mm-hmm. um, and so mold is a normal part of our, our environment when it's doing what it's supposed to do outside or, you know, mm-hmm. flavoring our foods because mold also produces soy sauce and antibiotics and all sorts right. of other really delicious and helpful things. Uh, but when, when mold grows indoors, it causes problems. Mm-hmm. And so that's the distinction. Now, every house has mold true because mold spores are literally everywhere on the face of your watch on your eyeglasses you as you breathe right now you're breathing in tens of thousands if not more uh in every breath that you take and without any effect by the way what happens is mold is very complex it produces lots of different things when it digests just like we do Mm -hmm. right so um one of the things it produces is that musty odor Uh, some people lovingly Mm -hmm. call them mold burps uh some people call them (laughs) mold farts uh but the point <laughs> is that everyone refers to them in a in, in a gaseous uh, uh um fashion and so bottom line is that mold produces as it's digesting digestive byproducts that can also make you ill the musty odor is directly correlated to or uh, directly linked to uh um lots and lots of different ailments in particular uh it, it it's uh it's the number one uh it's the number two uh it's number two behind maternal smoking in terms of the prediction of childhood asthma um, and just the presence of the musty odor, uh, ch- having children in the presence of the musty odor, um, and it, it uh, doubles the asthma risk in, in um, otherwise healthy children. And uh, it also triggers immune responses in, in sensitive individuals, uh, you know, uh, asthma attacks, sinus sinus issues, things like that. Uh, and also, there's a direct uh, link between exposure, chronic mold exposure, and chemical sensitivity development. Uh, and people who have chemical sensitivities cannot be around the mold smell because it's comprised of very similar chemicals that you would find in, in industrial uh uh refineries yeah like benzene and lots of aldehydes and alcohols and things like that so so yeah no uh, vocs uh, 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 that we that are man-made look a lot very similar to microbial vocs which is what that musty smell oh. is uh, people talk about mycotoxins a lot which is another thing that mold produces mm-hmm. when it's growing mycotoxins some molds produce them sometimes and so that's a that's a it's, that's one of the m- many myths is that we have to worry about the mycotoxins uh you don't you have to worry about dampness because mold won't grow if there's no dampness at the end of the day mold is a moisture problem everybody wants to vilify mold Mold's just doing its thing if mm-hmm. you do your job then and, and manage the building and don't have moisture problems develop or if you want does develop you you, you do deal with it quickly you won't have a problem um I, more and more these days uh, I'm, I'm using the body as at the building as an organism or built mm-hmm. built building as a body metaphor because mm-hmm. mold is like inflammation right it's okay. not the problem not the mm, problem. It's like and if you problem. treat the problem, you're going to miss the mark. And, and treating inflammation right. is, is a mistake, mm-hmm. right? And inflammation right. has a purpose. And Now, if you have chronic inflammation, you have an underlying chronic condition potentially. You mm-hmm. need to deal with that, and that's moisture. So mold and moisture uh, are, are, are symptom cause, see? Uh, and so it's very important that you keep your eye on the prize. Mold is just doing its thing. And by the way, the molds that produce the biggest toxins, FYI, it's really interesting the, the, the metaphor plays all the way through because um the first molds that, that grow there uh, are, are usually fairly just benign allergenic and as you go up as the water problem continues you have secondary colonizers they come in and eat the first guys and then the third stage are the guys that have the nuclear the the, the the really aggressive chemical weapons those are the mycotoxins they come in and kill the other molds and eat them uh, oh. and that's really why they produce the mycotoxins these guys are doing chemical warfare on a microscopic level and we get caught in the crosshairs. Oh. It's fascinating stuff, really. It really
0: is. So they're yeah. just, there's. Now, are there different kinds of mold? You hear about you know, black mold, and then there's some of them, you know, sometimes you see residue that's different colored, like orange or white. Is there, are there different types that and more dangerous than others? Or is it just a proliferation of more of the same kind of mold?
1: It's exactly like I said. So you get, you've got this curve, if you will, or this, you know, you've got the, what they call primary or the first colonized, the first, first crew that shows up to the the party. It's a pool party. You've got a moisture problem. Okay. (laughs) Right. And the first guys that show up, you know, they come in, they're dressed pretty light. They're just going to have a good time. And then second guys come in They're they've got luggage, man. They're going to come in and they're going to, they're going to sub camp. And the third ones come in, they come in armed because they're taking over and they're prepared to take your building down. They, they think that every, all the other ones are just nibbling at the edges. The, the most aggressive molds are the ones that are coming in to, to take your building back down to dirt and so uh and they're going and they they're the ones that produce these mycotoxins and so so that so really it's it's the like i said it's inflammation the chronic long-term where you have chronic inflammation your tissue will break down right Mm -hmm. So the same thing goes with, with with mold it's really um it's that simple so if you see something if you smell something or you feel something then do something. So, so I always say the first step is, you know, do you have mold? Right. Our name is Got Mold with a question mark because mm-hmm. that's what people ask. And so we always say first thing you have to do is, if you're curious about this, do you, if you see something, that means if you see any visible evidence of discoloration or a strange mm-hmm. texture or yeah. speckling, right? That's what you're. Any blistering paint, peeling, uh, uh, trim oh. pulling away, these kinds Uh-oh. of things, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, condensation around windows, especially in the Mm wintertime. Anytime you see any black speckles, but you know, that this is also colors of mold don't really matter because some of the black. I was wondering
0: if there's orange or, uh, you know, I've mm -hmm. I've seen in different houses throughout the years. Every color. Yeah. I've never really seen black. Okay. So, I mean, I've heard about it. Okay. So it doesn't really matter what color it's still mold and it's still going to be a problem. Okay.
1: There's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole, uh, one of those categories of myths and misconceptions is toxic mold slash black mold, which is yeah, some exactly. sort of a mold that you're going to treat differently because it's got to, and that's, that's, that's a, that's a, um, a red herring, if you will. Um, okay. It, it's, it, the reality is, is that the mold is, you will remediate it the same way. Uh, you will, you, it, it doesn't change anything. There are some physicians, um, and, and some questionable, uh, healthcare quasi professionals that, that want, that will treat those things differently. Uh, oh, and, okay. and so they'll, they'll work with uh, different de- detoxifying uh, elements to help remove these toxins. Uh, and, you know, with questionable results, it, it just, depends. oh okay. okay, it depends on the practitioner and, and et cetera. But anyway, the bottom line is that you really, at the end of the day, a moisture problem is a mold problem. Remediation is the same. The testing, the inspection is the same. What the different molds tell you, is the degree that the, or the, the extent uh, that that problem um, has, uh, it, it, it's really more of a forensic uh, situation. So if you if you've got if you've got those the the that those late stage colonizers, that means you've had a long term problem, and so it's more of a you can tell if you've had a, a chronic long term problem by the types of molds that you have, more so than allowing that to dictate any of your behavior. Right.
0: Okay. Okay. So.
1: It's, and there, part of the reason, let me just add to that because I think it's important. Part of the reason why people who have these who have chronic mold exposure, and I'm speaking to probably a good number of, of people who listen to your your podcast, because mold related illness uh, is is extremely common, and it's something that people. Uh, uh, don't always have, uh, understand until after they've been through it, and they realize that it played a part in some other illnesses. And so, anyway, the bottom line is, if you have these molds, you have chronic dampness in your house. Mm-hmm. Chances that you mean have, that means you have chronic exposure to these molds. So it's not the mold that's so bad; it's the chronic dampness and the mm-hmm. chronic exposure. See you know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it, and so it's, 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 not, if you just walk, walk into a house uh, with a mold problem, your symptoms will be acute. Usually you'll just have a- Yes,
0: a, I've but, had that happen before. Walked into a, we were looking at rentals once and there was one house and I remember walking in and I am somebody that has post-viral asthma and occasional asthma, but it's definitely flared up by And I walked in and my- th- throat closed up. I I couldn't, you know, I was gasping the typical stuff and it was just so weird that it can be so acute.
1: Yes. Okay. Everybody different too, by the way, you can have five people living in a house with a mold problem. Everybody has different symptoms.
0: Now a question. So you're talking about, you know, dampness. So some people that are listening to this, they live where I live. I live in a beach town in California and it is definitely moist here, even though it's Southern California, they say it's a desert. Well, it's, not necessarily where I live. And a lot of the houses are, are quite old and funky, which is, which is really cool. However, so I'm assuming there's mold. I mean, I just, I guess if you know that you're, the place you live is damp, just like people who live in the Southeast, you know, where it's very humid all the time, Florida, et cetera. So you just know you're living in a moist environment and you have buildings that are older, you know, so they're leaky. So how do you solve the dampness? What do you do?
1: So that that's a great question, and it's a, and, it, and, and I'll do my best to give an answer that will apply to uh, everyone, which is that you adapt. Humans are capable of living in every single climate without harm if they use best practices designed for those climates. Okay. So what you wouldn't build the same way. I live in Minnesota, right? You, you, this is a very extreme climate. So you get a yeah. lot of, especially in the wintertime, where you've got this extreme cold, and so you end up with condensation in, in strange areas. And mm-hmm. um, and your condensation here turns into ice. I actually had a moisture problem in a basement in a house that we rented when we first moved out here last year um, from New York. And uh, the moisture problem in the basement turned into ice, into into frozen windowsills. I'm not even oh kidding. It looked like a freezer wow. inside. And then and then the humidity got straightened out, and it just slowly evaporated. There was not even a stain left on the windowsill. It was just a really for a guy who, who studies building science, it was a remarkable observation in my, own, mm-hmm. in my own house. But, um, so you wouldn't build the same way in Minnesota that you would build in Florida because moisture right. moves differently and the humidity levels are different inside and outside, whether it's a heating climate or a cooling climate. So, but the bottom line is in every climate, there are, uh, techniques for that. And, and there are books written about these things. So each area, oh. but, um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole series, uh, by the building science Institute, Joseph Steberek. uh, Uh, He goes into every single different climate and the different building, uh, different configurations of building materials and things like that. And and so the bottom line is, it is being done successfully wherever you live. The question is, the question is, are you doing it successfully? And so (laughs) uh, (laughs) and so really what it comes down to is. Uh, you know, you want to you want to you engage your senses in all in, in all cases. You want to you know really make sure that you've got your eyes open. You're looking for any source of moisture problems at any time. If you smell anything, that's the first clue. The musty smell mm-hmm. is the, is the dead giveaway. Okay. Uh, and then and then and I always say trust your senses, but then get the facts. So you want to do things like get humidity gauges, get temperature gauges. I like to get the, the, the kinds of gauges that you can put like a base station in your kitchen, like the ones made by Oregon scientific and these kinds of companies. Mm-hmm. And then you can put the sensors in different places that you might not go to all the time, like your crawl space and, uh, and, and your basement and, uh, and maybe outside. So, you know, if you need to throw a coat on before you go get the newspaper. And so you, you get to be familiar with your, with the different sort of microclimates within your home and you start to pay attention and you know that you got to keep your humidity Above 40%, but lower than 60%. That's the safe zone, um, uh, according to ASHRAE, which is the uh, American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, and Air Conditioning Engineers. So, uh, 40 and 60% is is the is the is the range you want to keep your humidity ideally around 45%. Much above that, you start to get mold and uh, or condensation and uh, and and other critters that like dampness. Uh, mm-hmm. like like dust mites and things like that and much below that you start to dry out and you become susceptible to you know uh, airborne infections um and mm-hmm. so the bottom right so if you think about it people get dry out and dry in the, in the winter time everyone gets sick and it's because mm-hmm. their mucous membranes uh mm-hmm. allow for pathogens to they get through it's not because it, they got cold um and it's really because they got dry and so mm-hmm. you, your moisture moisture is this fine balance right mold loves mm-hmm. the same stuff we love it doesn't and it just it, it it likes the temperature. It likes the stuff we like to build with. It likes to eat it. Uh, it likes the it likes the <laughs> moisture that we like to have, and it likes it because we don't know how to manage it well. And as soon as it gets mm-hmm. a little damp, those spores are already there, waiting to grow. So the only thing in this whole thing that you can control is moisture, and so right. the that's the only thing you can control. Uh, and there is no mold prevention. There's no there's no uh, paint. There's no encapsulant. There's no pill potion or spray. The bottom line is it's moisture control. So if you live in a damp climate, you're going to want to make sure that your air conditioner is actually doing its job and you're dehumidifying appropriately. If you're living in, in places where you've got a lot of groundwater, you want to make sure your building drains properly. And you want to make sure that you don't have any intrusion. You know, it's a vigilance that you have to employ. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll leave you with another thought uh, on this, which is that I, I look at the building as an extension of your immune system. Look at it as an exoskeleton or an exoskin. Um, it, we are disconnected from nature already, but we have yes. to recognize that the, 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 that the buildings that we live in are a basic human need. It's air, water, food, shelter. It's just not an optional thing here. And this is not a luxury. This is a necessity. And we, and, and because it's a necessity and because we do have our domain and control over it, we should exercise that control. And so, so, so develop a relationship with your home, understand when it starts to have aches and pains, because that's where the moisture problems develop. Uh, wherever the building is starting to to break down, right? This is this is this is a symbiotic relationship that I'm encouraging people to consider.
0: That's really I really like that, and so you know because like you mentioned, it's a basic need, you know, shelter, and we just really need to treat it like a symbiotic relationship and just stay on top of it. And it's really interesting as. You know, public health science and science develops. They're starting to to realize, you know, how much you know the built environment and buildings contribute to health, and sick buildings, and people who live in hurricane zones, and so forth. And so, it's just it's really uh, it's really good that people are finally realizing this. So, I guess back to mold. You mentioned asthma. You mentioned other conditions. What are some other tip offs that somebody might have an issue with it. You know, maybe some people are not as affected by it and they can live around mold and just be like, whatever, <laughs> there's mold here. And some people are going to be very susceptible.
1: Yeah. It, and it does impact everybody differently. As I mentioned, you can have five people living in a house and they all have five different um, um, okay. health health profiles, if you will. And, and, and it's interesting because uh, th- there's going to be the hypersensitive person who's usually the one looking for, you know, the, they're the, usually the ones that call us. Uh, and then there's usually someone who has is experiencing no discomfort, <laughs> zero. Okay, at least so wow. they say. Uh, and uh-huh. then there's various different um, symptoms in between. And so you know the most common stuff is upper respiratory, typical, mm-hmm. you know, hay fever like uh, uh, symptoms. Of course, you know, tr- asthma, t- asthma like symptoms, extremely common. Um, and then you get you know some dermal sensitivity. Some people develop hives, itchy eyes, those those kinds of sort sort of more. Uh, acute symptoms that will go away uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, But then you also have uh, some of the more Nebulous ones, especially coming from the musty odor, like headaches, nausea, dizziness, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, cognitive impairment. A lot of people claim that the mycotoxins do that, but you know, you just need the musty smell; it'll do it just fine. Remember, the alcohol is my, is, is is produced by fungi, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. you're breathing in the byproducts. You're breathing in these fumes, in essence, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so that, so these, these, these cognitive uh impairments that people uh report are uh, i mean it also is dream disturbances sleep disturbances very difficult wow. uh when you when you sleep in a musty home you won't smell it by the way you'll only notice it when you walk in and then your senses of your sense your odor receptors get get, get 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 numb to it essentially and so you won't even smell it but all of your, your you also have uh elevated heart rates and people have arrhythmias uh it creates a, a flight or flight response remember also that we are trained we are we are as an evolutionary advantage we are repelled by these things so Mm -hmm. it's the same way that you you repel when you smell vomit or feces or any of that stuff we our body goes whoa keep that away (laughs) from me because mold (laughs) is the first stage of decay and and you know and so we we know viscerally from from you know however many generations ago that that stuff causes illness and so it creates a panic response in some people uh and and they can have you know incredible uh, anxiety from it mold rage is actually a thing believe it or not Wow. Um, yeah. No. And people who, who PTSD like symptoms, I mean, people really end up and then it, and it's also a loop because they get angry and, get, and, and they get panicky, just like with asthma. It's a loop. Right. So they, the yes. panic creates the, restri- the, the, the restriction, and the, restri- mm-hmm. the, the whole thing. So um, so it's very, very similar. The, the other, you know, there's some more extreme cases where, you know, people have chronic um, exposure. I mean, people have had all sorts of illnesses that they link to. To, to mold exposure, but the other thing that that's really uh, important, probably for a lot of your listeners, is that Lyme disease, which more people were diagnosed of Lyme disease last year than breast cancer, and it's only in 14 states. Uh, but there's a overlap with mold, with the mold sensitive, and there's some some research that uh, a few doctors have have, have uh, promoted that talks about a genetic marker and a a genetic mutation mthfr but regardless there there is there's an overlap there that's very very powerful and that people who have lyme and you see a lot of gut dysbiosis a lot of antibiotic use these sensitivities overlap and reinforce each other um and it's and that's what i went through it was mold antibiotics from lyme disease and then chemical sensitivities and uh, you know that that whole thing is just like it's a snowball that starts at the top of the mountain, and by the time you get down, it's hard to parse out what, what happened. But they all overlap and they all amplify each other. And so the first step is you got to before you detox, you got to make sure you don't retox and, and stop exposure, and then see how things sort of unfold after that. But you know the that that core that that connection between mold and lime is is powerful.
0: That's really fascinating. All of this is now. Can it also exacerbate? No allergies to other things. I know you mentioned dust mites. My son has a dust mite allergy and I'm assuming that's just, it gets worse on the, when it's moist. So I don't know if it's mold has any relation to that too or not.
1: Well, dust mites are, are, are kissing cousins. Actually dust mites eat mold spores. And if you look at them under the microscope, you can see them on a, and a there are pictures uh, uh, with scanning electron microscopes of, of dust mites gnashing on spores. Uh, and Great. so there, and so when you test for the allergen, a lot of the, there, you know, a lot of the it's the dust mite fecal uh, pellets that you're actually really reacting to. So it's a you're talking about mold and dust mites and all sorts of delicious stuff. And so that's all based on moisture. Dust mites go into basically like stasis when there's not enough moisture or uh, or, or if it gets below, gosh, I want to say 70 degrees and uh, 60% humidity. They just kind of go into like they like freeze and then uh, and then they they reanimate and they come out and just do their thing. Um, so yeah, dust mites and mold, same thing. They're, 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 they're the, they're the early guests. They're the first ones to get the invitation to the pool party. And so, but the other thing is that, as I mentioned before, when I was a kid, I was severely allergic to everything. The interesting part is now most of my referrals through 1-800-GOT-MOLD come from, uh, physicians. So we get a lot of referrals from doctors with patients that aren't responding to, to responding, uh, to traditional treatments. And, uh, and so I've told my story a million times and they've all heard it. And so many of them have tested me for allergies to see that for themselves. And I'm not allergic to anything anymore. So anything, nothing, zero. So, so now I was allergic to everything. So how does that happen? Well, so, you know, for me, it's in retrospect, of course, it's anecdotal, you know, that chronic exposure, that chronic long-term exposure made everything that I was potentially sensitive to uh, come to the surface. And I, and so I was, my, my immune system was on high alert. So anything you threw at it, it was just going to say, ah, invader. Um, And now absent that chronic exposure, I don't have any, any symptoms of, of any such sensitivities. So, um, so it's kind of like the big, it's like Stephen Covey with the big rocks. Have you ever heard that one? You know, take Mm -hmm. take care of the big thing first. And for me, clearly it was, it was the mold. Great. Well, that's,
0: that's really good to know that, there's hope. So now if somebody wants to test their house for mold, but rather than going to one of these inspectors that are really expensive and remediation companies before all that, so they can order your product
1: and yeah, go to gotmold.com. Okay. You can get either a one or two or three room kit. Uh, they're uh, they start at 149, Um And that includes all lab fees, all shipping. So there's no hidden fees. No, 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 uh, no surprises. No, and uh, and we we work with MLP and K. So we have an exclusive relationship with them, which is the number one lab in the country. And uh, and they uh, so you get an AIHA accredited laboratory analysis, which is the, the same exact uh, analysis that professionals use, but for a fraction of the cost. Um, but you know, if you want to look for professionals, I will give some advice because I think there's a time. Uh, in fact, the test kit does not replace a professional. It make sure that you find someone who's independent. It's extremely important. Make sure they're not in the remediation business and that their brother isn't in it either. OK. And you also want to make sure um, that they're not going to that they advocate a green clean. So that means that even because they're going to do an inspection, uh, they're not doing remediation. But the job of an inspector is actually to design the remediation uh, plan and to to put it in writing to, to provide a scope of work. And so they need to spec out exactly what's to be done and what's not to be done. And the number one thing is no chemicals, um, especially for people who have the kinds of sensitivities we talked about before. There's no place for chemicals in mold remediation ever, uh, but it's especially important for people to have these sensitivities. There's already enough chemicals going on produced by the mold growth. Um, And then, uh, and then, you know, the, the other part is that uh, you want to make sure that they help you select the contractor, but again, that they don't have a financial relationship with them. So um and that they'll come back at the end of it and do the requisite testing and inspection to make sure that you've gotten what you paid for. Um, and above all, you want to make sure that they're properly trained and certified. IICRC uh, is the uh, is the mold remediation certification uh, training organization that uh, that we would recommend. Make sure the people, the company, and the workers are certified. That's a common mistake. The, uh, they'll send in uncertified workers. And then when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, inspectors, you really want somebody who's got a broader sort of building science uh, background, not just a mold inspector or a home inspector type. You want somebody who really has had more of a building biology, building science, somebody who's an environmental consultant. Uh, and that's why they're hard to find. Most people just look a mold inspector and they end up with a you know, Tom, Dick or Harry that just got a certification for one hundred ninety nine bucks on the Internet. Um, oh, okay. you know, so that's why we created the mold test kit. Cause it's hard to find a qualified professional. Uh, there's also at our website learning, we've got a learning center filled with lots of information. We have a free ebook, uh, that we, uh, that we, uh, make available to us. In fact, for your listeners, we have a, a page where we put up gotmold.com slash teaspoon. Okay. And, uh, there you can get, uh, some, uh, you can get a copy of that ebook, which is how to find mold It's 45 pages of, of inspection checklists and FAQs and, you know, it's a it's a it's a valuable document. Lots of people give us uh, reviews on that, and also a a link so that your listeners can get a ten percent discount uh, on uh, got mold test kit through that through that uh, through that page.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast and talking about this about mold. And it's actually so important. It's so amazing how many things it's connected to, and I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I, 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 you know, this is water, right? There's this this idea yeah. that we we are far sighted, uh, we tend to look at things that are so far away. But the thing that we need the most that we we do twenty four thousand times a day, we breathe, we don't do it consciously enough, and and so by bringing these things to people's attention, they can start to, you know, like I said, make better decisions about the air they breathe. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, that's what will come out of today.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for joining me on a teaspoon of healing, and. If any listeners have any questions, they can direct them to me and I will direct their questions to you.
1: Yeah, you can also, they can go to gotmold.com. We have a a, a contact, they have a a section at the bottom of the homepage uh, where we encourage people to ask questions. You can also send questions to questions at gotmold.com with people that that are there to answer.
0: Wonderful. Well, great. And thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Dawn. Susan, you remember the time we were in Orange County, we were driving around and we got lost and we ran into this place called Avila's El Ranchito. You remember the place? The place had awesome decor and authentic margaritas.
0: Did you know that Avila's El Ranchito has been around since 1966? They have 13 locations throughout Orange County. Visit Salvador Avila's location in Lake Forest and Foothill Ranch for great food, ambiance and specialty margaritas.
1: This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of the use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.